Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode two of our fantasy baseball podcast, and this is for Thursday, April fifth. I am Alex Uwe, and I'm here today with Farbod Markazi. How you doing, man? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? How do I sound, by the way? I think you sound fine. I don't know. It's not. We've had we've had some of those problems. Uh, yes, we we've been doing it for a while, but you know we still have problems constantly. It seems. Uh, how are your fantasy teams doing, man? You off to a good start? Um, yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in a couple of leagues, but I don't know if that's me or just my players outperforming. So I need to start deciding if I want to make moves or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of our job here is to talk about which players are legit and who we should be reacting to and who is uh, who is kind of outperforming all expectations so um, we got a lot to talk about on this one Uh, before we get into it i'll go ahead and remind you that we would love to hear your questions and we'll answer them on this podcast we got a couple to answer later on so make sure you send us your questions on twitter at beat the shift bp and we normally post other places to to get as many questions as we can but uh we don't have that many for this one so we'd like more in the future that's Kind of the whole goal of this is to help all of you listeners with your your fantasy teams. That's why we do it. So, yeah, go ahead and do that. And you can also check out uh, our website, beattheshiftbaseball.com, and we have a fantasy tab there, which will have you know rankings, all our fantasy podcasts, and some blog posts as well. So make sure you check that out. All right, let's go ahead and start with a little bit of news. Uh, Michael Conforto is off the DL much earlier than anticipated. Um, he was supposed to miss you know, three or four weeks, be back at the beginning of May, but he's healthy, he's ready to go. He came off as soon as he could from the 10-day DL, and he homered today off Steven Strasburg. That was pretty exciting. That was pretty exciting. He, he was um, apparently, you know, in the, in the pregame press conferences, and they were talking about his activation. Um, the manager said that, yeah, Conforto wanted Strasburg today. He wanted to to get into it right away. And, you know, he's he's showing that he's healthy for now. Um, do you, I mean, obviously Conforto, when healthy, is a beast. Are there any reservations uh, in your mind about Conforto's performance or health? Um, I'm more so worried about his health. Other than that, I this guy is solid he, i'm i'm excited for if he stays healthy how his how he can what he, he can improve on from that last year because he's a young young kid so he he's still like improving every year mm-hmm. yeah and i think the one thing that you know maybe this is just our our fresh eyes looking at michael conforto seeing what we want to see but uh, he did really struggle against left-handed pitching um you know throughout his career but even last year um so he's 25 years old, and he's a really talented he's got plenty hitter. Of time. Yeah, I think he's one of those players that will likely adjust um, and start performing a little bit better. He's not gonna deal with a straight platoon in any way. But it is if an the out- shoulder. If the shoulder injury is truly behind him, he has he will be able to improve on that because he already has the the base skill sets to be that talented of a hitter that he already is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It's it's something that you have to keep in mind though. The Mets have plenty of outfield options, and you know he is coming off of 
you know, a pretty significant injury, shoulder injury that was, um, that kept him out since the middle of last season. So, um, he's going to be watched carefully by the Mets and I, I would, you know, expect him to see some days off here and there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, he's a, he's I mean, a they have, they have the outfield depth to, um, give him days, days off too. Yeah. So there's, there's plenty of, plenty of things to like with him and don't worry too much about the lefty splits there. Um, all right, let's move on to your new favorite player, right? Mike Trout. No, Mike Trout's Mike Trout's still your favorite? Okay, you, Otani's my favorite. I, I don't <laughs> Who's your favorite, Farbode? Mike, Mike Trout's probably my favorite. That's not, that's without a doubt. Um, Otani's very exciting. What, what, do you want, what do you want me to say about him? Well, for one thing, I'd like to hear what you have to say about how he should be used, considering that he actually is a really viable option from both for, sides of the field. Yeah, the I think side and offensively. I think it was. Um, it's actually. I think a lot of people are surprised, and be it, a lot of people even in in our own fan, um, beat the shift fantasy league. I remember when Otani was drafted decently early. Someone commented, he's like, Rudy, are you sure you want to draft him? He's 25 ERA in spring training, this, this, and this. <laughs> um, it, was, it was like, I, I, respect the, I respect the pick, not only because um, I am an Angel fan, but honestly, if you're asking me how to use him, I don't know if the Angels know how to use him. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if, if it is a – you have to watch, especially for the days that he isn't um, – in the lineup because I think the Angels, Otani, everyone around this whole situation is get still getting used to his whole his whole schedule, but I think they're gonna probably try to keep keep it like how um, his Japanese schedule was, where he didn't pit he didn't hit the day after or day before his starts, mm-hmm. so he'll probably hit the three three days a week. So start him on those days unless it's against a left hand pitcher. Really? Um, so you're you're. I wouldn't start him against a lefty right now. I, yeah. I've I've seen him against a couple lefties, and I think he leaks a little bit. That might just be me being a concerned fan, but um, I wouldn't start him against a lefty right now. Um, he I invite him to go prove me wrong. Um, but definitely start him um, against a right hand pitcher. He just homered off of Corey Kluber, um. So I think he can. Uh, I I think he he can hold his own offensively, and then pitching wise, I, I think he can. I I think you start him when he's pitching. That's that's not a question right there. Yeah, really impressive outing from Otani in the pitching performance, which you know in the last few days has been completely overshadowed. It's probably going to be the cycle of how things go with him. Oh, and um, people are going to forget the home runs. The next start that he strikes out what like ten guys, and then when he and then if he hits another home run, then I. After that, they're gonna forget the start again. Yeah, we have such short attention spans as as uh, fantasy owners. But maybe you should have changed your pick from having Kershaw be MVP and Cy Young to Otani because Otani might actually be MVP offensively. <laughs> can you, I? I wonder if he can win. Would he be a, eligible? Would he be eligible to win the Cy Young and a Silver Slugger as a DH? That's would what that I'm be... wondering because I don't. I don't know if he'll get enough at bats because I love how. 
three how, or four uh, games a week. How highly we're speaking of him already. We're like, how are they going to make this work when he wins the the Cy Young and the Silver Slugger? It's you know we're we're, we're penciling that in already. Um, but yeah, really. I mean, impressive. As of right now, he pretty much deserves it. Well, if if the season ended today, he'd be in the running. <laughs> yeah, really impressive from Otani against the A's on Sunday. Um, he did retire. You know. 14 of the last 15 batters he faced, he really did settle in. He gave up one homer to Matt Chapman in that mix. So that was uh, that's all growing pains. Yeah, uh, I also didn't mean to go on that whole little long ass spiel about Otani, but I personally don't. I, no one knows how to use him yet. He's just one of a kind right now. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. learn as he learns. Obviously, you have to use him on the mound because well, yeah. of his stuff. He's he showed he can. You know, throw it in the upper 90s, and he knows how to mix in his secondary pitches really well. Um, I was surprised by how little he threw the fastball in his first start. It was, I think, it was well under 50 percent. So yeah, what I'm wondering is what, um, like, does he just does the adrenaline not come to him during spring training? Because spring training he was like 92 to 95, but in his last start he was like straight 97 to 99. Well, spring training is when you get your arm in shape for the season. Well, yeah, There's obviously, lots of like, fluctuation. That's not unusual like, for still, any pitcher. Like, towards the end of spring training, he still wasn't consistently 98. But, obviously, that was also his first career start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good good, good guy. So, I guess that's a good chance to, to mention. You know, you talked about fluctuations in velocity in spring training. That carries over to the regular season a lot of times as well. You'll see pitchers who were... You know, routinely throwing in the mid to upper 90s during the middle of the season. You know, when they get they get into it more, that are you know not lighting up the radar guns right now. You know, sometimes it's a case of going through a little bit of a dead arm phase. Sometimes it's just you know how the pitchers operate on a year to year basis. They consistently you know take a little bit longer to get their velocity up. Um, so don't don't panic. That's that's kind of the the theme of this early going Baseball. here in this season yes don't don't panic don't overreact just enjoy everything you're watching and you know hype is cool i love being hyped about players and you know believe in believing in the best case scenario for everybody but uh do it with a take it with a grain of salt when you're trying to figure out how to set your fantasy lineups um, and i guess with, with otani too we didn't really address this part of how to use him when you need to put him in your lineup because he is only eligible at DH. You can only really use him in your utility spot. A lot of leagues only have one of those. And let's say you have a player like Nelson Cruz there or you have you know, an extra first baseman who's really good that you want to play every day in that spot. You know, How do you go about doing that? Is Otani going to warrant being put in the lineup over... Obviously not a guy like Nelson Cruz, but let's let's say like a middle tier first baseman. So let's say like you have Logan Morrison as your second or third first base option. You use him in your utility spot, for example. I mean, if you're asking me that question, I I I I don't know because I it's been he's played what three games offensively in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. That's not a big enough sample size for me to make an educated guess off off that right there but um that's that's 
Well, let's let's kind of transition that to just you know, in terms of personal preference, would you would you start him? Like I I feel like right now anyway, you you just want to keep starting him and rolling him out there until he hits a wall, because that's kind of how I operate with fantasy baseball anyway. Is I ride hot streaks as as much as I can, um, and then I try to predict when they'll end or begin in other places. So. Yeah, I, I would say keep starting him in your utility spot whenever he's DHing. Um, of course, unless you have a guy like Nelson Cruz or another top top fifty or one hundred hitter that's you know clearly better than him. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and move on here to um, to our last little bit of news. I guess that I'll mention is that Charlie Blackman signed a six year extension with the Rockies uh, for one hundred eight million dollars. Great for him. Um, really, I a, a good move for the Rockies right now. A little bit curious though, because he is not a young player. He's I'm looking be at 32 that stat right now, and I did not know he was 32. Yeah, or wow. he's he's going to be 32 in July. So I you know. no, but that's still surprising. I thought he was much. I thought he was like late 20s, but no, maybe. yeah. So he's going to be in Coors Field though for the next for basically I, I guess... all of. Eternity I guess now. that's what helps. So yeah, that's only good news for Blackman owners in dynasty leagues and keeper leagues. Um, of course, you're you're probably going to keep him anyway. Uh, I don't think his stock goes down much because of that. But it is comforting knowing that you know even as he gets up in in age there, um, and the speed declines as it does with pretty much every player at this point in their careers, he will still be putting up really good numbers in the power department in terms of slugging percentage because he gets that extra ballpark bump so only good things from from that news for fantasy owners all right let's mention a few injuries here as well that's some less fun news to talk about but um, Delano de Shields is probably the headliner in terms of recent injuries he broke his hand in like the second or first or second game of the season actually and he's going to miss four to six weeks with that injury um, right now they're kind of the rangers don't have like a permanent solution nobody that you'd really consider adding in in you know in your fantasy leagues uh, like ryan ruler yeah. you're not going to add him um i mean like they they have the option of calling calhoun back up but even they're not then, going to. They're yeah. they're de- they're not going to do that because of service time. That part yeah, exactly. has been established. So um, you're just gonna have to wait it out. I think he does need to to stay on your DL if you have any room at all because he is going to be one of those premium leadoff hitters in, from a you know from a speed perspective. If you your league needs stolen bases or um, you know, just he's gonna hit at the top of the lineup. He's gonna score a ton of runs. The Rangers lineup is still a good lineup, so don't dismiss him. Like, oh, the season's shot. He's gonna miss the first month, month and a half of the season with this this injury. I I wouldn't, you know, rule him out just yet. So the only other injuries are pretty minor ones that have happened recently. I guess we've it's been a pretty lucky start to the season. Normally, I feel like there's um, already some very serious. Um, injuries here, but knock on wood, dude. I did. Don't worry. Um, it's it's all good. I I made sure I didn't jinx anything. Trust. All right. So Nelson Cruz 
did sprain his ankle and he's been dealing with that, so he's going to miss a week or so. Um, he's on the DL right now. He's one of the three guys on that are injured on my fantasy league, mm-hmm. and he fell down stairs. I'm not. I'm not happy about that. Mm. Yeah, stairs are the mortal enemy of everybody, I guess. Um, but he will be not missing too much time. Nothing to worry about there. The big winner uh, in this case is Dan Vogelbach. I like to believe because he's going to get plenty of DH at bats. And Ryan Healy is not hitting at all. Yeah, and that's also a good sign for Vogelbach, who, of course, had a monster string training, but also, you know, beyond that is shown that he can be a very disciplined hitter. Obviously, a really strong guy. He's huge. Uh, So there's, there's a lot to like there. He's a good pickup for deeper formats, and he might raise a lot more eyebrows in the regular season when it counts now. So the last little bit of news injury-wise that I'll mention here is that Adam Eaton left today's game against the Mets. Um, He's due to day. Some sort of apparent injury. It's not it, clear it's at a, all. It, the x-rays came back on his left ankle when he was sliding into home plate. Um they came back negative. He's for now considering day to day. Okay, so that's that's always a good sign, and it's just really concerning because Eaton, of course, missed all of last year. Also, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Nelson Cruz is expect. I just saw this is expected to resume baseball activities the next day. Yeah, so he'll probably be off as soon as he can from the 10 day DL, another week or so. Yeah. Um. So good news there, and Christian Yelich also has been dealing with some oblique discomfort which of course can very easily turn into a DL stint uh, we've seen it way too many times before so hopefully they can get that fixed up Yelich is off to a good start with the Brewers like in his new home ballpark there um, yeah he was he, he was one of the guys who hit um, he hit the first of back-to-back homers by the Brewers to win it against the Cardinals the other day that was really cool first game ever to start with back-to-back home runs and end with back-to-back home runs ever i love i love little i love like random, that. random stuff like that yeah yeah so yeah. yeah that's all the news stuff that we'll talk about today we'll answer a couple questions that we got um of course i'll remind you again because that is <laughs> just how important it is to us that we want to hear your questions send us all of those questions at beat the shift bp on twitter facebook um, on Reddit too, anywhere you can email us, uh, beat the shift baseball at gmail.com. Any way you possibly can think of, um, we want your All questions. Right. You, you're, you're Did I make now. myself clear yet? You're begging now. I am begging. <laughs> that that was the whole point of that. That's it was a shameless shameless beg. All right, we got one question from um, from Reddit actually from Zipco. Uh, he asks Hanniger or Alonzo the rest of the season. That is a good question because Mitch Hanniger is one of those guys that's off to a really good start this year, as he was last year, really. Um, a very good start this year so far. Right, and if you'll remember, he had a blisteringly hot April yeah. where he put himself in the conversation for Rookie of the Year with Benintendi and Judge for all of a month, and then that kind of dissipated. He was dealing with injuries as well, but... <laughs> Why Why do we think Hanniger can't have similar type of production over a slightly longer period of time, you know, barring any injuries? Because he is a guy that looks like he will 
be able to hit 20 home runs and steal yeah. 10 plus bases and you know hits for decent average he's he's a good all-around player which is something that's actually pretty rare and i think this question de- game. De- depends on your type of scoring mm-hmm. so what would you say if it's do you like him more in points league formats where strikeouts and walks matter or do you like him more in yeah. standard formats where um, it's all if, batting average based uh i think strikeout when strikeouts and walks matter you do not want um uh, but it depends on how how um how valuable home runs and RBIs are because I think Alonso's going to get his home runs. Um he's going to miss miss the ball a lot though with and lose points for you with the strikeout. So it all depends on how how, you, how your league scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean I I actually do like him in points leagues. He does have pretty good plate discipline uh for the most part and I don't know if the the batting average numbers will always reflect that. Obviously, right now they do because he's sitting like 467, but that's obviously not gonna last. Um, but so far, he's he's already drawn four walks and only struck out a couple times. So it's always good to know that players that are hot are actually seeing the ball well, and you know not just running into a lot of pitches. And yeah, like I said, that that all around capability in terms of power and speed is something that's encouraging hasn't stolen yet this season um, but is a tool that he's showed off in the past so let's go ahead and talk about Alonzo then in comparison I like Alonzo more I will say I was really high on Alonzo going into the season and I've seen nothing to sway me away from that Um, I think he is going to essentially fill the same you know, role statistically as Carlos Santana did with the Indians. He's going to hit pretty high in the lineup. I think he's been hitting fifth for them behind Edwin. And he's gonna hit home runs. <laughs> he's gonna strike out, but he's gonna get his. Yeah, he doesn't strike out that much. Like he's not a high strikeout guy. He his walk rate is over ten percent. It was thirteen percent last year, and that's always a very reassuring sign for somebody that you know made the kinds of changes that he did, you know, trying to loft the ball more. It worked last year. He had 28 bombs. Um, he did get off um, to a nice early start. He had a grand slam um, the other day, but, you know, hasn't been hitting the ball too well, but the on-base percentage will will balance things out just because I think he is a really, you know, poised hitter in that way. Um, and, of course, the Indians have some sort of magic going with all the guys in their lineup they they seem to get the best out of all their players and i will not discount that i think that is an important factor to consider is the environment the new team you know all those things matter so i would say alonzo that's that's the final answer there um next question and this is actually the only other question we got but it is a pretty general one that we can delve into a little bit and that one was asked on twitter by ian he asked uh he asked us to give him some relievers with breakout potential so yeah that can be in terms of role in terms of you know uh well i guess it is mostly in terms of role that's all really that really matters in fantasy baseball is who can get saves and holds in some cases Uh, strikeouts yeah obviously strikeouts are nice but you know, you're really only going to be able to roster the guys that are that are putting up, you know, those 
those other those other stats for you aside from just the traditional um, strikeouts and ERA whip. It's yeah. it's hard. I don't think I've seen anybody that's gonna look like you know Dellen Betances from a couple years ago or uh, Chris Davinsky early last year. Those are really rare. Well, there's a couple guys who still can be can do the job for not only their team but your fantasy team as well. Yeah, absolutely. They're not not going to be um, the Batanzas you said, but they they can do the job. Yeah, Uh, this is the real difference maker. Is if you can keep up, you know, throughout the course of a very long and eventful season with the minute details of who's pitching well at the back end of games, then that can be a separator in terms of you know getting getting those stats you need at the back end there that's always something that um, sets apart the the true the true fantasy baseball lovers so why don't you go ahead and talk about the uh, the first couple relievers that we um have. well first i i have um Hunter Strickland um of the Giants he because of Melanson going down he i think he's stepped in and um uh, like I think the um, sorry <clears throat> the first part of like me thinking that you could he could be very good as a closer is um, first of all his case per nine has always averaged like close to eight and a half ever since he's been in the league. That's not good. That's not a good no. K per nine. <laughs> the K per nine. Um, his ground ball rate had um, from twenty. Where I lost ground ball rate. Um, 2015 to 2016 went up a whole, um, like eight, close to nine percent, and then last from last uh, 2016 to last year it went down about nine percent again, and that's where the ERA rise came from. I think, um, I think if he gets his ground ball rate back up, he could possibly do a pretty good job for the Giants in the back end of that pen, um, and if he stays healthy as well, um. So oh, I, I didn't realize the strikeout rate was that low for Strickland. Yeah, no, it, it's actually, now that I'm looking at it, it was in in the minors, obviously in the minors, he he was a dominant strikeout pitcher. And in 2015, he was 8.77. Um, 2016, 8.41. And then 2017, 8.51. Right now he's at 12. Well, so I he's mean. pitched three innings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but... Yeah, it's... Well, I mean, the important thing is the security of that role in San Francisco. Melanson's going to miss a lot of time. I don't think Melanson is going to be inserted back into that role right away, unless, of course, Strickland really struggles for whatever reason. Um, But he's off to a good start, and I am a big believer in momentum from relief pitchers on a year-to-year basis. So, you know, if if, uh, Strickland keeps it up, Melanson's not really going to push him too hard out of that role um he is the most added relief pitcher in on espn anyway and probably all over because this is not you know a new thing melanson started the year on the dl so you know i doubt strickland is available in many places but if he is you know that's that's security um the next guy that we'll talk about is uh keenan middleton who is from your favorite team, Farbode. Um, So with Keenan, I'll touch on him real quick because I do watch him pitch almost every game he does pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when he was called up last... When 
first of all, when Bedrosian was called up, people were like, um, people were thinking this is the closer of the future after Houston Street. Um, obviously, he retired this year, but after he's gone, Bedrosian would have been the closer of the future. But um, he's that's never panned out. He still could be, but Middleton, when he came up last year, that same thought was in came in the back of people's minds because his average fastball is 96 97 he um can touch triple digits he um strikes out 20 before when he was called up he was striking out 25.8 percent of the batters he was facing um the bit the biggest thing with him was the fact that he walks a lot of guys so that's command again so if he fix if he takes down his command be um be ready for a very very good at least eighth inning guy saves holds guy for this year because the angels are what closer by committee mm-hmm. right now so he's gonna get you saves he's probably gonna get holds whether they're in the seventh or eighth inning holds are weird man yeah um, they are <laughs> but yeah he he's gonna do that he's gonna also frustrate for, for right now with walks I mean where where's his my fan grass was slow um, right now, he's pitched in four games, five innings, walked two guys right there, struck out four. Um, he's gotten one save out of that. It's just the walks. I think if he if he um, focuses on his command a bit more, he'll be he can has have a chance of being a very good closer. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the uh, the hiccup yeah. for every every great reliever out there? If only they yeah. didn't walk so many hitters, but. Yeah, Middleton is probably the most interesting name of the the Angels setup, you know, closer by committee bunch. His there. hair is also red. That is something that I did not know until you mentioned it, and that is something that I guess is appropriate for being on the Angels. He's really into it. That's commitment to your team right there. Um, but yeah, with him, Blake Parker, Camber Drosian, and I could see Jim Johnson getting you know, some, some getting further that. back into the... So far, um, through the seven games, he's been getting mostly, like, when starters have been pulled early in the fifth, sixth. Mm-hmm. He got the... He got the um, Skaggs was pulled early yesterday with two outs into the fifth, and he pitched um, till two outs into the sixth. He yeah. pitched then. That's something I can see changing, though. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see that. Him moving to the later parts of the... Um, game and moving Bedrosian or uh, Luke Bard or some guy like that down. Okay, I, I don't even know who that last person you mentioned is. And yeah, I'm just gonna I, pretend I, he I doesn't exist. didn't know who he was until he started pitching in the, in the like in extra innings yesterday. I was like, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Noe Ramirez, maybe. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll throw a few more names out there that are really good relief options that could find their way into important roles that'll get you saves and save holds. Um, Adam Odovino has always been a favorite pitcher of mine, and he is healthy right now, which has been a big holdup for him, uh, especially last year. But uh, so far, he struck out eight batters already in just three innings. Uh, he has one of the most devastating sliders in baseball, if you didn't know already. He's been around for a few years. So the only holdup there is that he is in a really crowded bullpen, a really talented bullpen in Colorado. Uh, Wade Davis obviously is going to get the saves there, and next in line might not even be Ottavino because they have guys like Jake McGee. They they also brought in Brian Shaw, who's going to get a lot of important innings. So 
there is there's a lot of other options in that Colorado bullpen that also look really good but you know if anything happens to Wade Davis or you know if other guys aren't performing that well then Ottavino looks like he's poised to step in to more important roles very quickly for the Rockies um, the next guy I'll mention Josh Hader who is also not a very under the radar guy he's a really hyped prospect who has been pitching out of the bullpen um, and people all, all people really want to know is when the Brewers are going to try to move him into starting rotation haven't, haven't they said the last couple of years they might move him into the starting rotation as the season goes on well, yeah I think that would be the goal um, depending on how the Brewers are performing you know in the standings and also um, how well he does there's yeah those are important factors because the Brewers starting pitching is really weak so you know there is a chance that Hader eventually gets inserted into the rotation in the middle of the year that's another upside um, advantage there but Hader is going to strike out a lot of batters and pitch at a higher volume than most other relief pitchers that we've been mentioning um, you know because they do try to stretch him out a little bit um, and he, he will still perform at that same that same caliber even if they do stretch him out um, and right now he's the primary setup man too so he'll get a lot of holds um, already right there um, in in that regard so uh, obviously there's Corey Knievel there he's not going to get saves basically ever so um, that is you know just all upside performance and AJ Minter is another guy that I was really high on going into the year for the Braves who struck out the entire world last year when he came up for a short amount of time and continued that trend this year in spring training uh, he hasn't pitched that much this year but hasn't struck out a batter yet I'm not concerned though he's basically given up nothing I think he's walked you know batter or two but um, he is I mean, a really talented pitcher in the 16 um, games that he pitched last year his K per walk ratio was just insane um what he had he had 15.9 k's per nine and what one walk per nine yeah that's, 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 when when you're getting that k per nine up into the 15 range that's that's, that's just Kim, absurd that's kimbrel territory so um yeah yeah always fun to see that stuff uh and then one more name that i'll throw actually i, I got a couple more names so carl edwards jr is the next one i was gonna say um he is on the cubs of course and i can see him getting a lot of save opportunities and you know kind of mixing and matching there with uh, Brandon Morrow who you know the Cubs got in the offseason he is a workhorse who really broke out last year um, in terms of you know just top tier performance but at the same time I think the Cubs are very flexible with using their best pitchers in in the highest leverage situation so I, I do think there will be plenty of um, opportunities for uh, Carl Edwards Jr. to run into some saves and, you know, obviously is a young guy with a really lively arm. He'll strike out a lot of batters. Uh, one more pitcher that I wanted to mention, this is the last one that I'll mention for today, uh, is Chad Green, who, you know, also is not, you know, under the radar by any means, but in a very crowded Yankee bullpen. Nobody really gives him a look. I think he's actually a really good pitcher to get in leagues that count wins. You know, not a lot of people really 
do play in leagues with wins anymore or less people are because it is kind of what are wins yeah wins are not a really great category to have in most cases but um a lot of them do by default so chad green is the kind of reliever that i can see getting 10 wins throughout the course of the year because the yankees have the flexibility to you know have the quick trigger to pull their starters out of the games if it's less than five innings, they turn to Chad Green right away, and that that means he's lined up for the win already if they, they manage to hold on to that one. So I think that's going to be happening quite a bit, and of course, just has really good stuff. He's going to strike out a lot of batters, really good volume. So uh, those are a lot of upside breakout potential pitchers that we named there. Um, and of course, there's so many more, so you just kind of have to be vigilant as the season goes on to see who really steps up um, in the back end of those bullpens and makes a statement. All right, so let's finish off here by, you know, acknowledging a couple of the the top performances from the past week. Um, These are some players that are really outperforming expectations so far, and we'll see how well they hold up. Um, Patrick Corbin uh, has been the talk of the town he has already made two starts. He's 2-0. and He started against the Rockies and the Dodgers. And in those two starts, he's pitched a total of 13 innings, struck out 20 batters, and has only given up two earned runs and only walked two. So that's a 20-2 to uh, K-to-walk rate for those keeping track at home. Uh, he did have a 12-strikeout performance against the Dodgers, who were really still not a good team against left-handed pitching. Um I think that 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 part has always been an issue going back to you know last year and prior to then. Um, so that's I'm not going to discount what he did. It was really impressive, and he had a stretch like this last year where he was putting up numbers like this um, every game. But he's a really streaky pitcher. He can go off and have games where he'll walk four or five batters. Um, so I'm, he's not you know skyrocketing up in my rankings quite yet, but. I'm very impressed. Um, uh, Jose Barrios also started off the season really well with a complete game shutout. Uh, did you happen to see any of that one, Farbode? I um, I saw highlights of it, and his stuff is just nasty. It's, it's strikeout material. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, he was really showing he, he did really only good strike command of the second. The secondary pitches, though, were just on point. He's, his breaking pitches, um, when I was watching the game, uh, it reminded me of the late Jose Fernandez. Not to the extent, but they were very sharp, mm-hmm. very just dirty. Yeah. He doesn't have you know the, the top-tier velocity that we see from no. a lot of young pitchers, but the secondary pitches are really advanced for, for a guy like that. So um, I liked him a lot before. I still like him a lot now. Uh, a couple shortstops are really doing well to start the season on my fantasy team yeah of course carlos correa and you know those he's off to an insane start but that's not a surprise that's not news uh tim anderson is having himself a nice start to the season he's you know he's hitting 300 but he's hit three homers and stolen three bases and that is good enough to get him at the top of espn's player raider for the very short season so far ahead of guys like correa even which is pretty shocking. So he is a guy that really did not go in 
in a lot of drafts. He is a very late pick um, in a very, you know, shortstop is a pretty weak position overall, but Tim Anderson might add a little more a little more depth there because he is the kind of guy that's showing he can hit for power and, and steal a lot of bases. I don't think he'll hit for that great of a batting average, but, you know, I'll I'll take a 2020 season from a shortstop any day. Yeah. And he looks like he could have, you know, a season where a lot more goes right for him. Last year was a rough year for him personally from what I've read, and it's understandable for, you know, players to go through um, different ups and downs. There's a lot of other factors that have nothing to do with what goes on on the field. So hopefully he bounces back in every way. That's he's, he's just another promising piece of that promising team. Yeah, really young <laughs> team that's full of either recently graduated prospects or you know guys waiting in the wings to really make statement. So uh, we'll go ahead and finish up by talking about the the man, the myth, the legend, Sir Didi Gregorius, who broke the Yankees shortstop single game RBI record. That was a tough that was a tough one to say, but I think I said it right. He went four for four with two homers and eight RBI against Tampa Bay earlier this week. So, so is he the best Yankees shortstop ever? I don't remember any other ones. No, I'm I'm pretty sure that that cements it. If you have the most RBI record in a, in a single game, yeah, that's that's <laughs> it right there. So. Anybody that doubts Didi, anybody that says he's not a top ten shortstop, come fight me because he definitely is. I think and... it's amazing <laughs> how far he's come offensively. Because <laughs> when I remember when he was first with the Diamondbacks, uh, when uh, he did was not an offensive player. Even when he was like first traded to the Yankees, he was not an offensive player. Oh, yeah. He had a very strong arm. From I'm, I'm all aboard with the Yankees hitting development. I'll take any Yankees that I can get my hands on at this point. And that's yeah. that's not even being a home homer. That's just you know looking at the numbers. That makes a lot of sense to do in almost every case. So, uh, yeah, good job, Didi. And that was in a game where Stanton struck out five times. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you know, you brought that up because I think MLB the Show is good at predicting. Boo, boo, <laughs> boo. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that is going to do it for our podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you take this advice and go ahead and make use of it. And we'll be back next week. Uh, We'll be doing this every week on Thursday for the most part. Uh, And then, of course, our main podcast earlier in the week on Monday or Tuesday. So, yeah, if you enjoyed, make sure to, you know, rate, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback, and of course, get in touch with us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good, all those places. It's all good. So, yeah, and of course, the fantasy page on BeatTheShiftBaseball.com is the one-stop shop for for all of our fantasy content as well. All right, that is all I have for today. As always, Farbode. Peace.